well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad you joined us on the program today. Coming up uh, in just a matter of moments, we're going to be talking with Mark Oliva from the National Shooting Sports Foundation. So Governor Andrew Cuomo uh, signing uh, legislation in New York that attempts to do an end run around the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act. That's the 2005 federal law that was approved, by the way, on a bipartisan basis that prevents junk lawsuits from being filed against the firearms industry, seeking to hold them responsible for the actions of criminals. Well, New York trying to get around that federal law by changing its public nuisance laws uh, in order to allow uh, both individuals and perhaps more importantly, the attorney general of the state of New York to file lawsuits against gun manufacturers, firearm distributors, firearm retailers when guns are used in the commission of violent crimes. We talked with Larry Keene of the NSSF about this bill uh, several weeks ago. He called it an existential threat to the firearms industry. And after Cuomo said that uh, he will sign this bill, Larry Keene uh, went on social media and said the NSSF will be filing suit. So let's get the latest from the National Shooting Sports Foundation about this attack really designed to bankrupt the firearms industry and prevent you from exercising your right to acquire arms that you can keep and bear. Take a look and a listen. Mark, thanks so much for coming on the program, sir. It's good talking with you today. Yeah, it's great to be on, Cam. Thanks for having me. You bet. Which was a better topic, uh, but we uh, yeah. did see uh, Governor Cuomo do what... I know that uh, the firearms industry was hoping he would not. Gun owners certainly hoping he wouldn't. But uh, gun control advocates have got to be loving this. I mean, he's signing this legislation that basically uh, does an end run or at least tries to do an end run around the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act. How are they trying to do this, Mark? I mean, you've got this federal law that says, look, you can't try to sue gun makers or or gun sellers uh, trying to hold them responsible for the actions of criminals. That federal law is on the books, and yeah, that's exactly what New York is is doing here. How, how are they justifying this? Well, they're, they're just not even justifying it. They're just blatantly doing what they want and ignoring federal law, and that's why the NSF plans to challenge this law in court. Uh, and what they're saying is is that the public nuisance definition for uh, you know suing any kind of fire manufacturer for their criminal actions of a non associated third party is legal grounds. Now, if we go back to before when PLCAA was enacted in 2005, uh, these lawsuits were plaguing the industry, plaguing manufacturers, retailers, distributors, uh, and they were continually being thrown out of court every time because they have no legal grounds. They, this runs counter to any understanding of tort law or trying to hold somebody accountable for their misdeeds or somebody else's misdeeds. The fact is that the way that this law is written, you would also be able to sue Ford and Budweiser for the actions of a, of a criminal who got into a drunk driving accident and caused harm that way. It's someone who is using a firearm illegally, didn't have anything to do with the manufacturer, had nothing to do with the retailer, but they want to be able to hold the manufacturers. I think it's important to look back at the history of Governor Cuomo, who, when he was President Clinton's HUD secretary, uh, had gotten together a bunch of housing agencies in different states and said that he wanted to use this method to bleed the industry dry. So he knew then that there was no legal ground. All he wanted to do was drag manufacturers into court and cost them court costs and legal fees to constantly have to defend against these attacks. It has no legal ground then. It has no legal ground now. 
And we look forward to, you know, seeing this defeated again in court. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that uh, uh, Governor Cuomo is sort of the uh, the godfather uh, of the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act itself. I mean, if it weren't for people like him, uh, as you say, uh, as he said, trying to bleed the firearms industry dry, uh, even without, you know, and I think it's important to note, Mark, like they're, they, they'd love to get that, you know, that big $400 million verdict from a jury, but but they don't need that. I mean, their strategy going back to Cuomo's days at HUD was, look, we it'll be death by a thousand cuts if need be. Even if each and every one of these lawsuits get tossed out of court, these companies are still having to hire attorneys. They're still having to defend themselves. That costs money. Uh, and these firearms companies are not you know, they don't have endless piles of cash to uh, rely on. So even if they don't get a big verdict, even if these cases don't go to trial, if they just flood the court system with these lawsuits, then they can bankrupt these companies and ultimately bankrupt the industry. And that's exactly what he's hoping to do, Cam. I mean, if we look at just what's been happening in New York alone, uh, you've seen Kimber expand production and move their their headquarters down to Alabama. Now, they still have production in New York, but you're seeing that companies are moving away. Darkstorm recently announced that they were going to be moving to Florida. We've seen that Remington is starting to come back online in the five counties that surround Remington up in Illinois, New York all sent letters to the governor urging him not to sign this into law because they knew the damaging effect it could have on the industry and the damaging effect it could have on the, on the economic contribution that happens uh, from the firearm and ammunition industry in New York. So people in New York know this. Governor Cuomo's not listening to the people. And it's, it's interesting, again, that he's pursuing this. If, if you if you were able to survive his hour-plus-long you know, press conference yesterday, uh, you know, there's a whole lot of talk about, you know, standing up and trying to take uh, take control of the situation for the criminal uh, actions in New York and, and the crime rise. Uh, but again, we're hearing this from a governor who's still dodging his own sexual harassment uh, uh, comments or com- uh, complaints against him. We're seeing someone who still hasn't answered for his COVID, uh, you know, policies that have caused the deaths of thousands of New Yorkers. And we're still seeing someone who still hasn't answered for the fact that you know, there are allegations out there that he used his own staff to write a book that he's been selling and went up on the New York Times bestseller list. So there's a lot of things that the governor is not answering for and he's shifting blame and shifting attention over to fires manufacturers, which have always been one of his favorite targets to come attack. Yeah, absolutely. He's a master at, uh, at passing the buck. And, and, you know, while he's blaming the firearms industry for the actions of criminals, the failure of the criminal justice system in New York, maybe some of the uh, uh, reform laws that have been put in place over the past couple of years, uh, one of the things that's important to note is that this new law doesn't just allow private citizens uh, to bring lawsuits primarily in conjunction with the gun control groups, but it also empowers the attorney general uh, to to bring lawsuits. And, Mark, I mean, we know that Letitia James uh, is, you know, perhaps even more hostile to the right to keep and bear arms than Andrew Cuomo is. Uh, You know, she declared the NRA to be a terrorist organization uh, before she uh, started targeting that organization. And, you know, she has not let up. And she has said that she is willing to uh, defend this law in court. Um, How concerned are you that uh, Letitia James is going to try to test this law by by going after a a firearms manufacturer before you guys can uh, can launch your own legal challenge? Yeah, and we fully expect that she's going to try to use this law to her benefit. And again, we, we think this has no legal grounds. The last lawsuit that was present in the courts before any of the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act was put into law was actually a lawsuit by the now disgraced Elliot Spitzer, who was then attorney general, and was bringing a similar case for the state, for the city of New York 
against uh, the firearm industry. And again, that case was ultimately thrown out. These cases we know will ultimately be thrown out, but we want to prevent this from happening. And this is why we're trying to work now to challenge this law before uh, we see opportunists. And important is it's not just targeting manufacturers in New York. This law would allow New Yorkers to drag manufacturers from across the country into New York courtrooms to try to hold them accountable for criminal actions of, of third parties who have nothing again to do with those manufacturers. And so not even it, manufacturers, right? I mean, this applies to distributors and to retailers as well. Cause I remember talking with Larry Keene uh, a few weeks ago and I, I said, so I laid out the scenario where, okay, let's say I purchase a gun legally in the state of Virginia back in 2010, 2018, that gun is stolen uh, from my home in Virginia in 2022. Uh, it shows up in New York and uh, it, it's used in the commission of a crime. Uh, under this law, Letitia James could actually go after that Virginia gun store, right, and say somehow you did something wrong because this ended up in the hands of a criminal 10 yeah. years later. Yeah, and, that, and that's an important thing to, to point out, too, is the FBI has done their own studies on this, and they show us that over 90% of criminals who use a firearm in the commission of their crime admit to getting that firearm either through the black market or through theft. They're not buying it at a gun show. They're not buying it at a retailer. They're not going through the same criminal background check system that you and I are going through. They're obtaining it through illicit means. So they're not holding those people accountable. And let's be honest, New York has a no bail policy now. They're just turning their criminals right back out onto the street. So they want to go after fire manufacturers, distributors, retailers for the criminal actions of criminals who by definition don't follow the law and want to go after those people who do follow the law. So again, we're seeing the the insanity and, and the asinine thinking that's happening in New York. Uh, and it's being led by Governor Cuomo. It's, it's sad that this is being put up on the foot and on the wallets of, of New Yorkers who have uh, who have not been listened to by their elected leaders. Absolutely. And, and you know, I got to say, too, it's 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 sad for the firearms industry. It's sad for gun owners. But it's also really sad for these residents of high crime neighborhoods right now who have seen crime spiral out of control. And rather than actually doing something to seriously address that issue. Governor Cuomo's out there trying to micromanage local law enforcement. I want stats every week. Uh, and he's going after the firearms industry. I mean, he said, Mark, he said so little about violent criminals in that hour-long address yesterday. It's almost like, they, not even almost. They are, the actual perpetrators of these crimes are an afterthought to the governor, who is obsessed, it seems, with our Second Amendment rights, uh, the firearms industry, and those who who actually try to abide by the gun laws on the books. Yeah, there was, there was no talk about, you know, beefing up prosecution. There was no talk about adding to the ranks of the police officers who are out there trying to protect the communities. There was no talk about, you know, holding people accountable or, or pressing the judges for sentencing laws. This was talk about, you know, some type of intervention program and saying, okay, maybe we can, we can just talk nice with people who have no respect for law and no respect for life. But then again, he wants to come after the people who are providing jobs, who are providing, you know, revenue, who are providing a tax base in the state of New York and, and across the country. And he wants to hold them accountable for criminal actions. Again, this is insane thinking and people need to understand what's at stake. And that's why the firearm industry, NSSF, is, is going to challenge this as quickly as possible. All right. Well, listen, I look forward to uh, to following up with you once that lawsuit is filed. As always, Mark, good talking with you today. Thank you so much for joining us on the program and look forward to doing it again very soon. Thanks, Cam. Good talking to you as well. Be safe. Appreciate Mark joining us on the program. Of course, we'll give you uh, any updates on that uh, uh, impending litigation.
as they come in. Right now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day. Our recidivist report, we'll start there with a uh, case out of Iowa where the uh, uncle of a murder victim says the sentence that her killer received uh, makes her life seem trivial. And I have to say, I I can't disagree with that. Uh, Marissa Doolin was fatally shot last December, and her uncle says that he was outraged that a man responsible convicted of unintentionally causing her death. He said the court system allowing a uh, less punishing conviction makes his life, makes his niece's life seem trivial. Uh, Dedrick Doolin is the president of the Cedar Rapids branch of the NAACP. He said uh, that during the sentencing for Lorenzo Burnett, that a person, quote, doesn't put a gun in someone's face accidentally. It was an intentional act. The 20-year-old was sentenced to five years uh, for a conviction of involuntary manslaughter, as well as two years for tampering with a witness. That's an aggravated misdemeanor. The two charges that will run concurrently, meaning he's only going to have to do five years. The judge also sentenced Burnett to another five years for a probation revocation for a previous conviction of intimidation with a dangerous weapon. Apparently, this guy's got a history of trying to intimidate uh, witnesses. Uh, That sentence will run consecutively. So he'll serve the five years for killing a woman, and then he'll serve the five years for violating the terms of his probation. Uh, The uh, judge, Ian Thornhill, said uh, he understands how Doolin's family members must feel and how they've been affected. But he said, quote, her life is not trivial to the court. There's nothing I could do to bring her back. This is nobody's fault but Mr. Burnett. A uh, criminal complaint stated that Burnett was waving a weapon around Doolin's face, that the gun was discharged when she tried to push it away on December 22nd of last year while they were in an apartment. Doolin was shot in the face, died December 26th after being transferred from a hospital in Cedar Rapids to a uh, hospital in Iowa City. Burnett also threatened a witness who was in the residence at the time. Burnett and the witness uh, ran from the apartment after Doolin was shot. Burnett and the witness initially told police that Doolin was shot through a window by an unknown person. Police said there were no damage to any windows. A single shell case was found inside the apartment. Two days after the shooting, Burnett, in a phone call from the Lynn County Jail, threatened the witness, saying not to talk to police and to, quote, be ready for whatever is coming to him. Burnett also has a pending burglary charge out of Michigan. He's waived extradition. He may end up serving his uh, prison term in Iowa before being sent to Michigan to stand trial. And again, five years, that's that's the best that the judge could do in this case. It's absolutely unbelievable. Uh, today's armed citizen story, also a, a tough one. A 12-year-old boy shooting and killing an armed burglar during a home invasion in uh, East Feliciana Parish, Louisiana. This was uh, last week. Actually, it was last. Uh, it was a week ago today. A 12-year-old boy who feared for his life and his mother shot and killed an armed burglar during a home invasion on June the 30th, according to the uh, local sheriff's office. A uh, 32-year-old suspect in this case, uh, Brad LeBlanc, was armed with a pistol, made contact with the uh, primary female resident of that home outside of her home early Wednesday morning. He forced her then back inside the residence. Once inside the home, a struggle began between LeBlanc and the female resident. It was at that time that her 12-year-old son, who feared for his life and his mother's safety, shot LeBlanc with a hunting rifle. LeBlanc was pronounced dead at a local hospital by the East Feliciana Parish Corner. Sheriff Jeff Travis says, I don't know what you tell a kid like that. This is such a horrific incident that I tried to put myself in that position this week, thinking when my kids were 12 years old, if they had to do that, what I would have told them. He says he's kept in close contact with the mom. 
She told him that her son is doing okay. She's already taken steps to get him some help and support. And the uh, sheriff says the support of the family and the community and the fact that the mother's very understanding. He's going to need some treatment and need to talk to people and help him understand that he's a very normal person that was put in a very abnormal situation. Absolutely. No 12-year-old should uh, be put in a position where they have to defend their mother uh, with a rifle. Thankfully, however, you know, no kid should be put in that situation. But because this child was put in that situation by that armed intruder, I am glad and grateful that he was at least able to protect his mom and himself from that home invader. I do hope that he's able to talk with folks, maybe maybe even talk to the sheriff. But uh, I hope he understands that he wasn't the one who put himself in that situation. It was that armed criminal breaking into his home and threatening his mother's life. And he acted as, I believe, any parent would want their son or daughter to act uh, in defense of self and others. And uh, tell you what, keep that 12-year-old in your thoughts and your prayers, and uh, maybe mom should uh, be in your thoughts and prayers as well. Finally today, our good deed of the day from Rochester, New York. Story uh, from a local Channel 8 there in uh, Rochester about a, a Rochester police officer uh, who is doing what he can to uh, help young residents who are frightened by the rising violent crime. Steve Sweatman passing out books and stuffed animals uh, when he shows up on crime scenes. He says, we've been responding to many violent acts lately, a lot of shootings, a lot of stabbings and violence, and these kids are around it. Uh, recently, Sweatman was uh, caught on a camera handing out some uh, books and bears to a young child. Sweatman says, a mom told me he was shaken up, and as we were talking, he said, it didn't even click. It took me a couple of minutes. And I said, ah, I've got the books and bears in my trunk. Those books and bears, by the way, come from a local church in Rochester, the Browncroft Community Church. They wanted to give the Rochester Police Department uh, these tools to help youngsters uh, cope uh, whenever, again, a crime scene happens outside of their home or uh, on their street. Adam DeVincentis with the Police Locust Club says, uh, quote, a lot of our members just go out and try to put that little extra effort in. It's not something that the community often sees. Lieutenant Sweatman says he hopes that the acts make a difference in the community. He says, uh, at least in one case, he believes it did. He says this little child lit up a bit, uh, adding whether it makes an impact for the rest of their life or just helps them out for the next 15 to 20 minutes. It's better than nothing for sure. Absolutely. Well, in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing on the job. And off, Lieutenant Steve Swimman with the Rochester Police Department. We thank you, sir, for your very good deeds. That is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. But we'll be back tomorrow uh, with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. In the meantime, don't forget to check out BearingArms.com for uh, the latest news dealing with your right to keep and bear arms. And don't forget, you can become a subscriber to Bearing Arms. All you got to do is go to BearingArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNS, get 25% off of your VIP membership. That'll give you access to exclusive commentary and analysis and stories you won't get anywhere else. But it also helps support programs like this that we bring you each and every day. So we do thank you for your support. Hope you have a great hump day Wednesday, and we'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, be free.